Hi, it's Tiffany from Talk Tea Speech. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Talk Tea Podcast, our first episode ever. I'm so excited that you're here. I think many, if not all of you, are coming over from my Talk Tea Speech Instagram. So I just want to thank you for giving the podcast a chance and for listening. So I really wanted to start this podcast ever since the beginning. I think because I personally enjoy listening to podcasts, I think it's a way that we can be able to talk more and get our point across without being confined to like 30 seconds or a one minute reel. And I just, it's nice to be able to do other things while listening to podcasts. So you could be driving or doing housework. And I know many of you are parents or speech therapists. So we have busy schedules and busy lives. So that's really why I wanted to create the podcast. Some of the things that I want to talk about on here will be dealing with speech therapy, early intervention, being a first-time parent. So those are all of the topics that I want to cover in detail. So I'm really really looking forward to this. Since this is the first episode, I figured I would take it back to the beginning too and kind of let you know about my journey to becoming a speech therapist. Speech therapy wasn't even something that I was aware of back in the day. (laughs) Back in the day, I sound really old. But it was a career that I don't even think was that popular when I was in high school or even in college. My undergraduate school didn't even have a speech program. So going into college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew or I had it in my head that I didn't want to be sitting in an office from nine to five. So that just took away business school. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to do business. You know what? Let's do pre-dental. Yeah, I like teeth. (laughs) Let's do this. So it was just something that I went into. And when I got to college, I guess I wasn't that passionate about being a dentist. So doing all the academic stuff, I really wasn't dedicated. I wasn't focused. So by that time, I was like, all right, I like failed one of my chemistry classes. I remember this because I was on my laptop and, you know, you had to log in to figure out, to find out your grades for the semester. And I log in. I already knew that I did a bad job on my chem final. So I was like, okay, I either just like barely passed or it's like really bad. So I go into the system, F, right there staring back at me, F, failed the class. So I started crying and I ran upstairs to where my mom was. She was like getting ready for bed and I'm just over there crying like I just failed chemistry. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what career path is right for me. So I was like, okay, you know what? This pre-dental thing is not working out for me. I'm just not focused right now. I, I don't feel like doing that. I don't think that that's going to be the one. Fast forward, I decided to become an English major because I was like, okay, you know what? I I wrote some good essays in high school, so that'll probably be a good fit. And so I was just kind of like flailing around trying to find the right major. And I think I just stumbled upon 
English because there was nothing else. We weren't going to do business, right? Because don't we don't want to be in a nine to five cubicle. Then science wasn't really working out. Failed chemistry. That's not it. So we're going to do English. Then as I was going through the rest of my college career, I was really thinking that maybe public relations and marketing would be something I'm interested in. Maybe I'll be doing events and promoting. I decided to do that. And graduating college, there weren't a lot of jobs available. I think it's always competitive, no matter what time of year it is, no matter, you know, what, whatever. It's just always competitive. So I had applied to like a million jobs. And finally, these two companies reached out to me and they were saying that they were these uh, public relations and marketing people. So I'm like, this is great. I'm going to go into PR and marketing. I'm going to work in the city and it's going to be so much fun. So I go out to the city. I bring my mom. Well, my mom brings me pretty much because I, at this point, was like, I can't drive to this city. That's so hectic and crazy. So my mom, my mom takes me there and it was just treacherous getting into the city, driving in the city, trying to find these office buildings. Like for me, it was just really stressful, but I go and I do the interviews and I feel like they went pretty well. So I'm like really excited. We're back in the Holland Tunnel on our way back to New Jersey. And I just decide to dig into these companies a little more because I'm like, one of these two companies are going to hire me and it's going to be great. So let me look up where my future job is. I Google these companies and it was clearly showing that these companies were like scams. I guess they were, what do you call those um, schemes? Like a pyramid scheme? I'm not even sure, but it was some kind of scheme scam thing. And I was so upset in the car because I was like, oh my gosh, I just dragged my mom out here for these two interviews and they are for like scam companies. I'm not going to have a job. I'm not going to be working. And by that time, I was so discouraged. I just didn't really know what to do. So after all of that craziness, I ended up getting a job at a daycare and growing up I actually always enjoyed working with kids. I volunteered for Boys and Girls Club in uh, in college and then throughout high school I would do volunteer opportunities and just really enjoyed working with kids. So I was able to get a job at a daycare and as I was working there my mom brought up the idea of speech pathology. She was like, have you ever considered this career? I think she maybe read about it somewhere. Um, so I googled it and it was like, here are the requirements to get into grad school for speech pathology. And I remember telling my mom, no way, I cannot go into speech. The things that you have to do to get into grad school are way too much. I, you know, I'm going to be old. <laughs> I already graduated college and now I'm like probably like a year or two out of college. No, probably like a year out of college. So I'm like, I'm old. By the time I apply to grad school, get into grad school, go through it, come out, do a clinical fellowship, I'm going to be so old, aka I think probably like 25 years old. <laughs> you have this idea that 
you graduate when you're 21 or 22 and you immediately start working and making money. So thinking about graduating from graduate school at 25 seemed like super old. But then the more I looked into it, I was like, okay, you know what? I think I could do this. I think then it was just feeling like I was backed into a corner and just felt like there was no other path for me. I had already tried out all different types of careers. So I was like, okay, let me give this a chance. And I Googled speech language pathology prerequisites and Kane University had a program for pre-professional courses, which was great because my university didn't have a speech program. So I didn't have a lot of the prerequisite classes. And I also took it as an opportunity to build up my GPA in classes for speech. Let me completely now dedicate my focus and time to building up my resume, to building up my, I was going to say credit score, (laughs) to building up my GPA. I just really enjoyed everything that I was learning in the introduction course. So the more I took these courses, the more I was like getting really excited and looking forward to this career path. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to dedicate this year and then I'm going to apply to grad school. If you have ever applied to grad school, you know how many things go into it. Letters of recommendation, writing your essay over and over and over again. Even sending those letters of recommendation are stressful because you're like providing all the materials including the envelopes and the stamps for all of your people. And then you're applying to what, like five to 10 schools. So you have to make sure all of the addresses are correct. You have to be able to send out your uh, transcripts and sometimes they get lost in the mail. So the whole application process was just so stressful and crazy. I applied two years in a row because I did not get in the first year. So... It was another disappointment. Now I'm essentially thinking I'm wasting another year. And it was just really tough that first year of applying to grad school for speech because it was rejection letter after rejection letter. I was like, it was like agony. And every time the mail came, open up another rejection letter. I remember crying to my parents just feeling so lost and not knowing what was the right path. And it was just so competitive to get into speech. But I was no stranger to that rejection of a career, to not knowing what I was doing. So again, I was like, okay, now I'm going to spend another year dedicating to applying for different jobs that maybe could have a background of working with kids or contributing to the... um just contributing to the resume of having some experience working with people. This time around, I felt like I was more confident. I was able to regroup and just start applying. And I had a full year because most programs start in the fall. So you have to wait a full year before reapplying. I would double check in your state if you are currently in the application process. Anyway, so after all of that, I get a letter in the mail and it's from Seton Hall. So I'm really excited because it's in state. I also had applied to some schools in New York, but that was more like for backup just in case New Jersey didn't come through and I would have to move. But I was like, okay, it's Seton Hall. 
And I open up the letter and I'm like bracing myself and it says waitlisted. I just felt like, oh my gosh, so close yet so far away. Eventually, after phone calls to Seton Hall and emails to Seton Hall to see where they were in the application process of uh, accepting students, I finally received a phone call one day while I was half asleep because they called really early in the morning. I believe it was the dean of the School of Health and Medical Sciences, and he said, I have good news, you're accepted, and I just jumped up onto my bed. I was sweating, just so excited. And I was like also relieved that I didn't have to move to New York now <laughs> because I did get accepted to, to um, two schools there, but that would have been just a mess having to move and figure out my licensing in New York versus coming back to New Jersey. I know that was a pretty long-winded story about how, and that's just like getting into grad school, but it just goes to show you that things don't always work out the way that you have it planned. I was going to be a dentist, then I wanted to be a PR person, and I had a lot of rejections along the way, but I think it was all meant to be because it all led up to this. So now I won't bore you with the horrors of grad school. Um, (laughs) It actually was not all horrible. I met my very best friends there. And so there are so many things that I look back on grad school with fond memories and just happiness. Uh, But, you know, it was challenging. And I won't bore you with all of that right now. Uh, I wanted to talk about how I really got into early intervention and why Out of all of the things that speech therapists do and how big our scope of practice is, why I went into early intervention. During grad school, I had three different placements. One of them was at a public school. Another one was at private practice. And the third one was at a skilled nursing facility. So I actually didn't have any internships or externships in early intervention specifically. I worked with the early intervention age group while I was in private practice. As you guys know, early intervention works with children from birth to three years of age. So I really enjoyed working with that younger age group. I really feel like my graduate program gave me a well-rounded experience of what I want or what I wanted and what I didn't want. The reason why I ended up choosing early intervention was because I just liked the idea of working very closely with families, parents, siblings. I like that feeling of like, okay, we're all a team. We're all on board to help this one child utilize their full potential and give them that strong foundation for speech and language and to set them up for success in the future. And like I mentioned before, I was always someone who didn't want to be confined to a desk job or to be in one setting for too long. And to me, early intervention is just perfect for that because you are traveling from home to home or different daycares. So your day is really scattered with a lot of different experiences, a lot of different environments. And I feel like it's flexible enough for what I was looking for in a career. Uh, So that was just a perfect fit for me. As we move forward with this podcast, I definitely want to share more about those early days in early intervention, the anxiety that comes with working with 
parents. And while it's great to be able to work directly with families, it is also nerve wracking because they're watching you during those sessions. A child might be tantruming while you're doing the session and then you're feeling like parents are judging you for maybe not knowing what you're doing. So there's so many things that go into early intervention sessions. So I'm looking forward to really diving in there and letting you guys know that it's not all oh, so cute, we're working with these little toddlers and they're so cute. Yes, they are cute, but there is a lot that goes into it, so I'm really looking forward to getting into that more. So that's the story about how I got into grad school, how I got into early intervention, and now, being a first-time mom, it's really changing my therapy and how I want to approach parent coaching and family coaching and the strategies that I recommend or just how I'm speaking and approaching families. I think now that I have another level of sensitivity being a first-time mom, I think it's going to help me with my communication as well. And not that you have to be a parent to be able to do parent coaching. I mean, I, I just said I've been doing this for six years before I even had my daughter. And we will definitely go into the judgment that comes with that when you're not a mom yourself and then you're coaching moms on what to do with their children. So I know that there is like a delicate balance. And so I'm definitely not saying that if you're not a mom, you don't know what you're doing um, because I've had that judgment come to me and it's just not the case. Like I said, we will definitely get into detail about all of that as we move along. And being that this is the first episode of the podcast, I've been recording, stopping, re-recording. So I hope it wasn't too choppy for you. And I really want to thank you for giving this episode a chance and for bearing with me for this first episode. And I hope to see you on the next one. In the meantime, you can follow Talk Tea Speech on Instagram, T-A-L-K-T-E-A Speech. And I'm also on all other social media platforms. I'm most um, active on Instagram though, so you can definitely DM me there. You can visit my website, talkteaspeech.com, where I also offer one-on-one consultations and my early intervention courses and my blog posts. They're all there in one place. So thank you again, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah!